Excuse me. It's been an encouragement to me as I've been studying the topic of stewardship over these past several weeks. It's been encouraging and, and convicting. Uh, it's brought some areas of new thought to me, and I'm, I'm thankful that we've been able to look at this. Well, today we continue looking at what we started last week, and that is stewardship toward money. And we want to take some time to review um, as we move into what we have for today. If you want to hear the whole message, uh, feel free to go to the church website. I appreciate the work that um, Ethan has been doing. He's now volunteered to do the website. And we have a whole new website. If you haven't seen it, be sure and go to it. But anyway, so this morning we want to continue looking at the subject of finances for money, and we want to begin by looking at the source of money. And by money, we're referring to the broad idea as well, what it can buy, what it brings to us, the whole subject, but we've just simply called it money. And as we think about the source, where does it come from that we have in our hands, in our billfolds, in our purses? Well, we find simply, as we saw last week, that the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. As we think about it, it begins with God giving to us whatever it might be. So we ask, who is the source of our income? And being a good Christian, we saw that most of us would say God. But the question is, do we really believe that and live it? That's what we need to look at. We, as we reflect, we saw that at times things are good. At other times, it seems like trouble comes from everywhere. Our savings is suddenly dried up. Well, do we still trust God at that time, whether in abundance or little? The key is, do we trust him? Remember what we saw in Proverbs? The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Whoever is rich, whoever is poor. God is sovereign. God is in control. And he works in their lives. How does he do it? Well, we saw in Psalm 50. The beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. God provides how he sees fit. And it's exciting to watch God provide what he wants for each of us, whether poor or rich. But we move on, and we saw also about our attitude toward our stewardship with money. We saw two directions we could go. One, a heart bent toward contentment. Am I content the way God has provided for me? And again, we look at some passages. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. I think of this trouble, and I think of the lottery winners. I remember reading a story over the years. How many people have won the lottery only to find people come at them with guns or somebody else stealing their money? They, I mean, they find out who wants what they got great treasure with trouble or in psalm 37 
how little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. And we see what some rich people are doing in our land, in our country these days, who are wicked. Then we saw also in Proverbs chapter 30, the, the writer prayed and he said, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you. I don't need you anymore. And say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. We will react the way God has us in life. Will we react properly? And then Paul wrote in Philippians, I know how to be abased, that is, have nothing. I know how to abound. I got a full bag. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And why does he make that last statement? Because he knows he can depend upon the Lord regardless of what he has in hand. He pressed on to serve the Lord. Now let me illustrate it again in another way. It's all going well. Well, yeah, it seems like it is. Then something happens to my house that's really expensive. I was near a um, house yesterday and it had a beautiful, huge tree. I mean, it must have been, started growing after the flood. And one branch had already fallen and broken the front porch and the, well, they had. That's been fixed. Now another branch is down. And now there's this big branch, I mean big, that hangs right over the house. And there's some other, and I look at it and say, old tree, what's going to happen? Well, what would happen if something like that happened to our houses? Something happens, and all of a sudden our finances dry up. Do we trust God, whether we have much or little? That's something we need to think about. But we have to remember, our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So there is that heart bent toward Contentment, but there's also a heart bent toward riches. And we saw last time in First Timothy that there could be two results or negative results. It could bring about evils. Somebody stealing from us. We lust after things. We rob, even God. Not caring for people anymore. I'm rich. Look at my Lamborghini. I pronounced it right this week. It might lead to erring from the faith, departing from the Lord. Remember Proverbs 23, do not overwork to be rich because your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. And when we begin to focus our lives upon money. Watch out. We're warned in the scriptures. Then as we moved on, we looked at some illustrations of people who were rich. We saw Abraham was known for his riches. And also Job, as we looked at him, 
one of the greatest of the people in the East. God doesn't keep people from being rich. We see this. We look at several illustrations of men who knew the Lord and who wanted to use their money for God. Men like Letourneau um, and, oh, I can't think of his name. Anyway, some other men that, that we considered who wanted to give more than they kept. Well, now that's kind of a reminder of where we were, how we get our monies and attitudes toward it. But now we want to start afresh and look at our stewardship in the outgoing column. We looked at how it comes in, our attitude about it, but now what do we do with it? And obviously, we begin with God. Would you turn in your Bibles to Malachi chapter 3? And you know we can't look at that subject without turning there. But we begin with our mind and bringing our tithes and offerings. We know about that. Most of us find that as a part of our lives. But do I realize that there are those who do not see that? Some people don't believe in tithing. They don't see it for today. And yet, even in their heart, they give 10% or more. Well, let's see what the scriptures tell us as we move along. And I want you to notice Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, beginning at verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Well, in tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. But you know what's interesting as we look at that whole passage about tithes and offerings and the blessing God gives? Two words stick out to me. Rob God. I want you to picture during the offering, as the ushers are passing the offering plate, and they happen to look, and there's somebody getting a handful of 20s and 50s and 100s or whatever. Can you picture that? And yet that's the type of thing that he's talking about here in Malachi. Somebody asks you, they've been given $1,000 and they don't want to spend it, and they ask you to keep it for them. So you put it in your safe at home, but a couple weeks later you remember it's there. And you decide to take some of it, you, you got a need, and you take a couple hundred bucks to use it. But you know what? It's not yours. You've stolen from that person who entrusted you with the money. I want to remind you, in Leviticus, it says this. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. And I want to remind you of one key word. That word is. Presently, it's his He's entrusted us with it, just like that person with the money. What do we do with what is his? When we give a tithe, 
We've given nothing. It's already his. So what do we give then? Well, Proverbs tells us, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. So your barns will be filled and pl with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Proverbs says, you give the Lord of the first fruits. The fruit, the veggies are coming out. We're going to give him the first fruits. And by the way, God says, when you do that, look, I'm going to pour out blessing upon you. You trust me by giving the first things. You know what happens when you give the first fruits? It says there's nothing there, but I'm trusting God that more is coming. And I'm going to trust God to provide those things. It's exciting to watch God work in our lives. It says between Malachi and this, I'm going to pour out a blessing upon you that, that it's going to be hard for you to receive. We talked about last week, Stanley Tam, who owned uh, plastics in Lima, Ohio. He's got a big building. Christ is the answer. And his goal was to give 90% of his income. In fact, in the very lease and everything of his building, it's dedicated to the Lord. I don't know how, but it's legally done. With Laterno, he's the guy who invented the big earth movers. University is named after him. He lives on 10%, gives 90. Two rich men, but they're trusting God. How are we trusting God? But we move on. Not only does our stewardship begin with giving toward God, but our stewardship involves the ministry of the gospel. That money that we give, this isn't extra, it's part of it, involves the gospel. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to follow me here as I look at a general description of the Lord's provision. Before we look at some specifics about the ministry, follow 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1. Paul says, am I not an apostle? Yeah, you are. Am I not free? Yeah. Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? All those are yes questions. If I am not an, if I am not an apostle to others, Yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me in this. He had to defend his apostleship, and so he's going and writing about it here. Then he says in verse 4, do we have no right to eat and drink? Well, of course you do. Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also the other apostles? The brothers of the Lord and Cephas or Peter, all these guys are married, don't I have the right? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever, go, whoever goes to war at his own expense, you're going to be drafted into the army. 
Got to buy a rifle. Just be thankful you weren't drafted into the Air Force. Think about that. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? Anyway, he's appealing to the Old Testament. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. It is oxen, it is oxen God is concerned about. Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partaker of the hope. And he talks here about general giving and, the, and, and how it affects them. But then a specific application is given, follow, beginning at verse 11. If we, Paul, his team, if we have sown spiritual things to you, if we've ministered the word, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? In other words, we feed you spiritually. What about you providing for us? And if others, par if others are partakers of this right, over you are we not even more nevertheless we have not used this right but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ do you not know that those who minister holy things referring to the Old Testament eat of the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the offering of the altar <coughs> Even so, notice those words, even so, just like these guys, so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live the gospel. Now, we find this, I think, easy to understand. Simply put, people preach the word, they should get their needs met, whatever that means. But he then used some illustrations from the Old Testament. Now, I want to look at that in three areas. First of all, local ministry, taking care of those who minister the word. And obviously, we think of the pastor as described in Ephesians 4 and elsewhere. I've heard churches say at budget time, listen closely, how to the pastor, how much do you need to live? And frankly, that's an unfair question. I have heard of other churches, and you've got to promise not to laugh at this. They'll say to the pastor, how little can we pay you so we can supplement it with food stamps? That's a reflection of the church, isn't it? And I'll tell you one thing. I'm thankful for, for Emmanuel here has manifested over the years trust continuing to provide for their pastor. And blessings come from that to the church as well as the pastor. Even more than you can imagine. It's been an encouragement to me over the years. And I trust it will continue. But let's move on. Not only the local ministry, but foreign ministry. Taking care of those who minister the word elsewhere. We call them missionaries. I believe in Ephesians 4, they're called evangelists. But we call them missionaries, and as a church, we too are generous in that area. 
as the way we support our present missionaries. Ted Fletchall, when he was home, he says, my home church, Emmanuel, is our biggest giver and the one that we can depend upon the most in other ways. That's a good comment. It's good. And might God give us the desire and vision to expand the number we support. This has been a burden of mine for years, especially since all of our missionaries are getting up in years. Ted recently, when he was home, he and, and when we sent out our letter about retiring, I he got a copy of it and he says, can I use your letter? Because he's about that close to it also. But we need to be thinking about missions and expanding to rejoice in how God provides. But now I want to look at a third area. Well, what else is there? The gospel ministry in general. I want to share a verse with you that's really a shocking verse to me. But I think God put it in his word for a purpose. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Remember we saw in chapter 9 how he talked about shouldn't you be providing I wasn't burdensome to you. I endure all things. I thank God the way he does provide. But in 2 Corinthians, he wrote this. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches? Well, let me tell you. Except that I myself was not a burden to you. Look at the next words. Forgive me this wrong. As he reflected back on chapter 9, on how he talked about, don't we have the right, but you guys aren't doing it, really, like you should be. Well, you know what? I should have been a burden to you, but I wasn't. Forgive me. For, he takes the blame. Forgive me that you didn't provide. Why didn't they provide? Maybe you didn't teach like you should have. Wow, what a statement. Here he'd been ministering, and now he asked for forgiveness. He didn't say, don't worry about it, but he realized something. There's always a blessing in giving. In fact, he wrote to the Philippians and said this, for even in Thessalonica, that is when I was there, you Philippians sent aid once and again for my necessity. Not that I seek the gift. Now look at the last part. But I seek the fruit that might abound to your account. You sent me again and again. You provided. But what's the benefit? People get saved. People hear the word. And you benefit. Fruit to your account. Do you begin to see this? Our stewardship should be going out that we bring back blessing our way. When you see a, a missionary write about so-and-so got saved or baptized, whatever, do you ever thank the Lord that you had a part in that? As you pray for the Holmeses and the Fletchalls, and something happens, do you ever pray and say, Thank you, Lord, that I was part of it. Fruit that abounds to your account. 
Don't ever get the idea you're sending money over there that they can do the work. You're sending it over there so you can do the work. Just like here. And when things happen, who to bounce to your account? When the background was put up for VBS, it took a lot of staples. Did you count them, Ralph? Probably not. But in all that, fruit goes out blessing. Yes, to Ralph and David as they put it up, but others as we prayed and taking things down. Fruit to your account as you minister, even as the context of our message in the realm of money. But let's go on. Our stewardship also in meeting the needs of others. Thinking of our own personal situation. First of all, look at Proverbs in front of you. The writer is praying, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you. And say, who is the Lord? Oh, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. We begin where we are. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever prayed this familiar prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't know that I've had to pray that very much in my life. Because God's provided it's there. But yet at the same time, Jesus is saying, we need to live at least with the attitude, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And yet Jesus said, you need to learn to pray with that on your mind. But then I want to look also at the situation of others. In Galatians chapter 6, it says this, And let us not grow weary <laughs> while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as God brings it to us, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now that ministry there, that meeting needs, goes in two directions. First of all, to all men. That has reference to those outside the church to unbelievers, non-Christians, people outside the church family. It doesn't lay down conditions or anything like that before we help them. But I'm sure behind it is ministry to show forth Christ. I don't know how many times over the years I've had people come to the door right here Knock on the door. I open the door and talk to them. And usually they come having needs. And usually I'll tell them something like this. We're not equipped to do that. I don't have a checkbook. or We aren't equipped to help people when they knock on the door. And it's surprising. Let me just tell you. 
How many people need money to go to a funeral in Missouri? That's usually eight out of 10 times. But anyway, there have been times when people have legitimate needs and I reach into my billfold and help them. But the thing is, we ought to consider a passage like this, even as we think about our own ministry. When people come to the door, what do we do as a church? Help to all men. It's a roughie. But also, he said, especially to those who are of the household of faith. That's those among you, your church family. Let's do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. That's our Christian circle, your church family, those who have needs of one sort or another. And the passage doesn't say anything about laying down conditions. Well, if they budget their money, they wouldn't have that problem. It doesn't say that in Galatians. It seems difficulties come. Are we ready to help them? Whether money or maintenance, whatever it is, are we there? Are we there? I'm reminded also of 1 Timothy. As Paul is finishing his epistle, he says, command those I don't know what that word command, if you say, this is what you got to do, but, but Paul writes, command those who are rich in this present age, that is, lots of money, they have money, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Look at now, let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Ministry involves thinking of others. In recent months, I've seen people with needs in their houses or other ways. And what do we do? Does anything in the passage hit home to us? Could we help them? Even as we think of Psalm 50, 10. You know, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We need to take time to reflect upon what we've seen. Even this morning, are we willing to reach out with what God has given us? Remember, even like we talked about that poor family last week. What are we willing to do? Now, I want to take a moment to close. And by the way, don't close your Bibles. Um, but let me share a few thoughts here. First of all, think of the blessing watching your church minister. Think about it. Whether missions, evangelistic projects, you know, VBS, Memorial Day, other things, even building, like an auditorium on ground level with no steps. Think of that. That'll help to minister to seniors, those with physical issues, 
Is there that willingness to take monies and step out in faith? The blessing that God brings as we seek to minister. Second, think of the blessing of watching God provide your needs. Maybe through a job. Maybe through the loving heart of a brother or sister in Christ. Remember the story I've told you, I don't know how many times, probably this will be the last, maybe, how God sent us one dollar in the mail when we were in school. Charlotte was sick. And you know how much a dollar goes to medical bills? Okay. But if God can provide a dollar, he can provide anything, right? We need to watch God work in providing our needs and the needs of others. But there is a warning to be thought about. Don't forget God in it all. Third, think of the blessing of watching God work through you to minister to others' needs. It's such a blessing to see people help with cars, houses, whatever the needs our water heaters, even tree removal. It's exciting to watch God use people. Sometimes it means using monies, digging into the deacon fund, maybe more, maybe out of my own billfold, whatever it is. Watching the blessing that God brings. But there's a warning there's a warning we need to remember. One day we could be in the same boat, depending upon God or others in a special way for our riches, whatever that means, we saw in Proverbs, can take off like on the wings of eagles and we're broke. And if you know history, you know there have been rich people that before the day was over, they didn't have anything. Remember Job? Job was put there to remind us it could happen to us. And I could lose my $20 or whatever we say we have. Whether it's millions or $10. Are we willing to trust God? And last, think about the blessing that comes to your heart. The blessing that comes when you think about the Lord. Turn to Matthew 25, please. Matthew 25. Jesus is teaching here, and I want you to pick up the message that he's talking about in Matthew 25, beginning at verse 34. Matthew 25, verse 34. It says, Then the king will come and say to those at his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Listen now. For I was hungry, and this is the Lord talking, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you 
or thirsty and give you drink? When do you, when did you see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And then look at verse 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You did it to me. When we have the privilege of ministry, remember we do it to him. That's why it ought to be easy to reach into our billfolds and take this out or that out. I remember a special offering years ago when a guy wanted to put in his token dollar. Uh, he's sitting right over about where Bill is. And he opened his billfold and I happened to look and there's a 20. And he closed up his billfold and put it in his pocket. Then he pulled it back out. And he looked at the 20 and put it in the offering. Why? Because he wanted to give to the Lord. And that's what we ought to do. It's so exciting. By the way, the text goes on and talks about people who didn't help. And he says, you didn't do it to me. Some say they don't like someone who's in need of help. I don't like that guy. So I'm not going to help him. Well, there's a good answer for that. You need to get your heart right with God. For you're to love your brother as yourself. And if there's somebody in this auditorium who you don't like, repent, get rid of that attitude, and be ready to minister. Because just maybe they have a need. But we have to begin with us. And frankly, some people have told me that's their attitude. We've got to get right with God. We've got to be ready to be used of him in ways we may never expect. The blessing that we can have when we minister or use our monies for the Lord. It begins with God as the supplier. That's why he gave it to you. And we minister toward him. That's where the true believer who loves the Lord will go. Father, it's an exciting time to think about what you do. We know that you're the provider of all things, that the earth is the Lord's, and you put it at our disposal. Each of us has a bank account of some sort. And help us to realize that you've given it to us to be able to minister to you in our tithes and offerings and in other directions that we might see fruit abound to our accounts. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And as we look at our hearts, might we be faithful to you. In Jesus' name.